The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, kicking off Black History Month with BET founder Bob Johnson, finding America's path forward. I'm not convinced Build Back Better, the way the cost is allocated, transfer of, of government money into programs, is going to close the wealth gap. A warning from the FBI, mind your network. International spies could be looking at you. CNBC's Eamon Jaffers. LinkedIn is sort of God's gift to spies and investigative reporters, right? Because you can get a whole org chart of everybody inside an organization and they post astonishing things. Those conversations plus Peloton is lowering its own goals. You bought the treble and then you started buying the clothes. I mean, that was part of it. And do you wordle? The New York Times knew by. Is there a word merger? Is that five letters? No, merge would be five. Merge, merge. Yeah, thanks. It's Tuesday, February 1st, 2022. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand Becky by in three, two, one. Cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is off today. The FDA uh, granting full approval to Moderna's vaccine. It has been distributed under emergency use authorization since December of 2020. The new approval following Moderna to market uh, the vaccine under the name Spike Vax. That's what they're going to call it. Meantime, Pfizer expected to ask the FDA to authorize its vaccine for children under five years old. That request could come as soon as today. It's likely going to ask regulators to authorize a two-dose regimen while it continues to study the impact of a third dose. Now, reports say regulators are eager to review the data in hopes of authorizing shots for young children as early as the end of February. So we will see uh, how quickly that happens and also what kind of debate happens in this country about it. You mean the three-dose regimen, meaning they still haven't decided whether they get boosters at some point down the road? I mean, you so, wouldn't get so a booster far, shot for a while anyway. That they're, only, they're only seeking for the first two shots. They're not seeking for the booster. I think that there's, there's more data that they're hoping to come in on that. And when I was referring to the debate, just, I, I, you know, there's obviously been a debate about vaccines across this country for adults and for children. And the, the younger you get, the, the, to some degree, the, the louder the debate becomes. Yeah, we, we were looking at those stock charts, too. Moderna, just a pretty stunning fall. Remember yesterday at this hour, we showed the worst performers for the month. And uh, in the S&P 500, Moderna was the worst performer. You see that huge come down. Um, yep. Don't know if that's how it closed the month, but it, it was running a pretty close race for the, for the lead among the biggest losers when you looked at the month. We're also watching shares of Peloton today. The company slashed its 2022 sales projections for its apparel business, according to internal documents that were obtained by CNBC. That unit is run by the CEO, John Foley's wife. 
Apparel revenue more than doubled <clears throat> from 2020 to 2021 to over $100 million. But for the fiscal year that ends in June, the company forecast more than $200 million in annual revenue. It now, however, expects closer to $150 million. That unit is a small part of Peloton's business, but it gives another glimpse at the surge in demand that happened during the pandemic that appears to have normalized at this point. Peloton declined to comment because the company is in a quiet period ahead of its February 8th quarterly results. But we have seen this with a, a lot of the companies that did so well during the pandemic. It definitely seemed like they pulled growth forward, and it definitely seems like a lot of people are kind of getting back out there. It was a lot of, look, I, we've talked about it. We were one of the families that, that bought one of the treadmills. That we, we bought the treadmill that they then pulled back on. We, are we you still it, using it? Then you bought the treadmill, and then you started buying the clothes. I mean, that was part of, that right. was part of it. And now, and now clearly, if you're not buying a new bike, maybe you're not buying the new shoes and you're not buying the new, all of it. Yeah. So, are, are you still using are. it? You were using it for a we, long time, like on your calls and things, Oh, right? yes. No, no, we, we never gave it back. In fact, <clears throat> to their credit, they, they put a pa they password protected the system and changed some of the, the ways it works so that, that hopefully it's, I want to say, safer. Um, we, we, we try to... No, but We've I just mean, are you that. exercising it on, on it every day? Is this a... Oh, oh <laughs> I thought you meant... Oh. No, not that you send um, it back. Are you using it? That's oh. the hardest thing with any of this stuff. Best intentions. Yeah, no, we use it religiously. We, okay. but, but that's because... And look, I know there's certain people in the audience that will think this is crazy. I haven't been to a gym in yeah. two years. So I use it... That This is the gym This for is your me. new gym. I use that yeah. and I do all the... Yes, that's how, how we've managed so far. But I know there are people who go to indoor gyms. And, and to each their own. So, um, and, and my wife is, would love to go back to Barry's. She's a big Barry's person. So, The boot camp. Uh, there you go. Barry's boot camp. Yeah. Yes, Barry's boot camp. Which is what the Peloton is trying in some ways to replicate at home. Are you going to indoor gyms? No, but we have a Peloton machine downstairs. We have an elliptical machine downstairs. And I, honestly, I've been trying to just be outside because <laughs> mentally I, I'm better off if I do a walk or a jog outside. Um, I need the outdoor time. We sit, we sit around for three hours, like in this big empty studio. Um, no windows, nothing going on. So it's a good thing to get outside and get some sunlight. Right. Should tell you about the video game Land Grab that is heating up at this point. You know about the big deal we talked about a couple of weeks ago, but now Sony has agreed to buy the company that helped launch Microsoft's first Xbox. Sony is buying privately held video game developer Bungie. Is it Bungie or Bungie? It's got to be Bungie, right? I think Bungie it's sounds Bungie. Stupid. Bungie sounds yeah. stupid, so I'm going to go with Bungie. For $3.6 billion, Bungie originally developed a popular game, Halo, that everybody knows about. Microsoft bought the company back in 2000, and it split off again back in 2007, although Microsoft retained control of the Halo franchise. Bungie also produces the popular game Destiny. It is the latest of three big transactions announced in January, including Take-Two Interactive's deal to buy Zynga, and then the real biggie, which was Microsoft's deal to buy Activision Blizzard. And wow, talk about some consolidation and things heating up fast. Andrew, do you think that this is a situation that makes it more likely that all of these deals get through? Or is this something that is going to draw more regulatory scrutiny? I actually don't, right, no, those are smaller deals. I don't think the Take-Two Zynga deal or this deal is really something that's going to reach the threshold that then for regulators. Bolster I think it's the Microsoft But does that Activision bolster Microsoft's, Microsoft's argument or does it make it tougher if, if other players are kind of teaming up and getting bigger? 
I think it probably it probably works in their favor to some degree, yeah. but I think it's the size and scale of micro to the degree that regulators would look at the Microsoft Activision deal, which, by the way, typically I wouldn't think you would look at that hard in part because under the sort of typical traditional metrics we've used. The issue is, and we did that interview with Lena Khan, who runs the FTC, they're just thinking about this stuff in a very different way. So hard to know. Meantime, uh, we have another (laughs) uh, deal, and we should should say full disclosure, because everybody knows that I write for the New York Times. Uh, This is a New York Times deal uh, buying Wordle. It's that online game that shot to popularity last month when Becky started talking about it on TV all the time. It's going to be bolstering uh, the company's game unit, which hosts things like crosswords and spelling bee. At the end of the third quarter, the unit had about 980,000 game subscribers. The Times said the price tag for the Wordle game was in the low seven figures. It remains free to play, and uh, they say there will be no changes to the game. Uh, Becky, I think you've talked about the history of this game, right? It was, it was effectively created for one person. It wasn't created for all of us. Right. This is brilliant. The guy created it. And I, I don't know the story all that well, um, but the guy created it. I don't know if it was his, for his fiance, for his wife, for his girlfriend, just because she liked to play word games. So this was kind of like a love letter to her, which is amazing that they can do so well, turn this into the viral creation that it is. Um, and the sensation that turns out into a big payday, a uh, seven-figure payday for them. So go, man, this is the way to express your love and be rewarded. There's karma for you. There's karma for you. What I don't know, and I've thought a lot about it, I, and by the way, I did not make calls inside the New York Times about this, so I don't know the answer <laughs> to this. There are, there are lots of um, apps on the iPhone. In fact, you referred to one once in the morning. What I don't know word if that's I play? You... I play to practice. The, what word is the app that, that lets you but, play as many times as you want? there's apps that basically copy this, either copy this, or some people have even said that this is copied of something else. And so I wonder what the IP is terms of IP protection around games like this. I just don't even know how it works. I think that there's probably a lot of traffic the New York Times will gain as a result of right. this just because they'll now have the domain. But by the way, what's the domain that other isn't Bumblebee even called com. Yeah. So and, 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 I don't and know. I, I think that the thing that's so amazing about this, you can play with the app all the time, but the thing that's so cool about this is it's once a day. It's a social um, sensation because, I mean, I've right. got like my mother playing this. I've got people all over the place who are sending me their scores every day and you're trying to compete against each other. So you can play. There's one puzzle a day. You can play it and then you can, you know, tweet or uh, you know, text or whatever you want to do to send out your results to other people who you're competing with. And so it is that continuation of a social interaction when you don't get to see people that we kind of got used to during the pandemic. But it does help you stay in touch with people and right. help you interact that way. And, and the apps don't do that. The apps are great. I, I, I do it for practice just so I can get better at the one puzzle a day that we do with Wordle. There is a fascinating article that does say that based on the algorithm, you know, it's only five letters, that after about six years, I think, they're going like to run out of words. And so the question is, do they turn it into six words? Do you make it, you know, six or words, five chances? In, in six seven, years, you go through. I mean, this is the same words, thing letters. with Jumble. Once you start doing these things, you start to recognize patterns. You start to get smarter about the guesses that you make. You use words just like you do, like Wheel, Wheel of Fortune at the end for the big guess, where you use the most commonly used letters and right. words and things to kind of. You, you have tricks and games that you play, so you get faster and faster at it. It probably doesn't get much. It's probably not as much fun the faster you get. Although it's fun to say you got it in two or three every single right. time. But it's the same thing when you play. Any of these puzzles, crossword even, you get better because you recognize the clues that come yep. back. Um, 
Sadly, you know, and you know this, I shouldn't admit that I'm not smart enough to play these games. You are. You just won't do it. We've it takes practice. We've talked about this before. I can't play Boggle. You got to practice. Just, you got to practice. I, I want to, but it's I don't have the I don't have the mental you have it. Mental you, you may have a slight it. bit of dyslexia and I think that's a huge disadvantage. You can't play this game if if, if you know the letters I, confuse I've you. I've always right. thought that that you, yeah. you know me with pronouncing names. It's very it's, it's all <laughs> No, it's I'm, all I'm a piece. not joking. I mean I, I think it is tougher with anybody who has dyslexia to be able to play these games, but I think you can do it with practice. I do. Coming up on Squawk Pod, we're kicking off Black History Month with a conversation about the racial wealth gap. BET founder Bob Johnson on what hasn't worked and what might to inch our way closer to equity. If this country were to adopt 401k auto portability, Black Americans would have retirement savings for homes. Black Americans would have retirement savings for their children. Black Americans would have retirement savings for their lives. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Roll Pro A, up track, stand Andrew by. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. It is time now for our Equity and Opportunity Series, and Frank Holland joins us this morning with a closer look at the growth in black spending power. Frank. Hey, good morning to you, Andrew. Black spending power reached a record $1.6 trillion in 2021. The ability to buy, save, and invest more than doubling since 2000. That growth exceeding the full U.S. economy, but actually lagging other ethnic groups, Latinos with a 288% increase, Asians with a 388% increase in spending power. However, other groups, they've also seen an increase in their net worth. Black Americans instead have seen their wealth actually fall by 14%. And with the S&P gaining 27% last year, the value of U.S. homes increasing by 31% last year. Home ownership is typically the biggest wealth builder in the black community. That's actually fallen more than 3% since 2000. And annually, black families accumulate $300 billion less in wealth than white families, and they save $75 billion less. The racial wealth gap now at more than $11 trillion. Back over to you. Frankie, the, the statistics are startling and fascinating in so many different ways. Do business leaders and other experts have thoughts on how to stop the trend and what's really behind it? Yeah, of course. I mean, some of it is simply allocating more capital to assets that at least have the potential to appreciate, things like houses, stocks, and bonds. Other reasons are systemic, and that's why about one out of every five black family has a negative net worth. Right now, systemic issues, uh, redlining in housing, uh, disparities in education, and other issues that are going to take a longer time to address. 
Frank Holland, uh, it's an important story. Thank you. Appreciate it. Here to kick off CNBC's coverage of Black History Month and share his take on the racial wealth gap is Bob Johnson, the founder and chairman of RLJ Companies, also, of course, the founder and chairman of the BET Network and a CNBC contributor. Bob, it's great to see you. My question to you is if you could wave a magic wand, and we've talked about this before, to try to end uh, inequality to the degree that we could, I don't know if we're going to end it, but maybe limit it, uh, especially when it comes uh, to the, the distinction uh, and, and the inequality that, that the black community uh, seems to suffer from, you would do what? Well, first of all, Happy New Year to you guys. It's been a while since I've been on. It has been. Here's the thing. If you're going to address the gaping wealth gap, 10 times uh, wealth gap spread uh, between black and white Americans, what I look at is what can you do to increase black wealth? And that means you've got to put more capital uh, at the disposal of black uh, businessmen and women who want to create jobs, create wealth, create growth opportunity. And to me, that's what was missing in the Build Back Better Act. It was, it was broadly defined to put capital transfer money into the economy from everything from climate change to child care to uh, family leave. It was never targeted to the issue of how do you close the black wealth gap. And closing the black wealth gap is not a job. It's not giving us more consumption money to spend. And that's why I was pro I'm proposing the Boost Act, which has been introduced into Congress, that would set aside $30 billion for companies or individuals who would invest in minority-owned, Black-owned businesses. And under that tax preference, they would be treated. They would be given an inducement or incentive that if they invest with Black-owned businesses, at the time those businesses were valuable and they began to sell their uh, ownership in it, they would get a tax deduction. Uh, that, to me, is the most uh, significant way to direct capital to black businesses. And you, you've talked over the years uh, about reparations as, as, as one approach to this. Has your, has your view evolved on that? It's evolved in this way. It, it's the idea of reparations as a way of closing the wealth gap can work. So, yeah, transferring money will work. It works all the time. The problem is. No one in the Democrat side or the Republican side is going to implement a full reparations package. So I've sort of uh, put that aside. And, and where do you stand now on Build Back Better as, as an overall package? I remember you, you were critical early on. Well, I, my thing, well, two, three things, like I said, of Build Back Better. It's, it's really, first one is, is the cost. And the cost, not only the cost, but where that cost is allocated. I'm not convinced Build Back Better, the way the cost is allocated, the transfer of, of government money into programs, is going to close the wealth gap. The second thing about Build Back Better, it doesn't go into uh, opportunities where you need not spend money to close the wealth gap. For example, I've been pushing on this, net, on this network, as you guys know, uh, auto portability, which would call, which would reduce dramatically black cash out of their 401k accounts when they change jobs. If we if we mandated that all companies and the financial record keepers were engaged in implementing auto portability, we would put over a billion dollars over a uh, generation into the pockets in the form of retirement savings 
for black Americans. Doesn't require transfer payment, doesn't require tax. And all it requires is the government and corporate America and the financial record keepers, some of whom already joined in, like Vanguard and the like. If this country were to adopt 401k auto portability, Black Americans would have retirement savings for, for homes. Black Americans would have retirement savings for uh, their children. Black Americans would have retirement savings for their, better, for their life. Uh, it, it's simple to do, but it's not in the Build Back Better Act. And it's targeted to low-income wage workers, people with 5000 or less, who tend to cash out, lose, as you know, you lose the, uh, re- you pay taxes when you cash out of your 401k account. And, and also you lose the appreciation of the asset. So it's a double hit to black workers and low wage workers could be solved simply by putting into, uh, into motion what, we're, what we've been trying to do with uh, the uh, auto portability. Hey, Bob, while I have you here, wanted to also get your thoughts on a couple other things, including the world of streaming. Uh, you made your career and your fortune in the TV business. Uh, the business, of course, has completely now uh, transformed itself. When you look at what's happening at Netflix and what's happening at Disney, and we were just talking earlier about this AT&T uh, Media transaction and the spinoff there, how do you see this all playing itself out? Where, where, where do you see the winners and, and, and where do you see the margin? Because one of the things that I think has gotten a lot of people nervous is you looked at those, those margins on Netflix and the others and people started to get a little, uh, a little more anxious about what, what the future holds. Uh, well, let me just sort of, for uh, transparency, I'll let you know that I'm, I'm on the board of uh, Discovery. And uh, so it, you, I just want everybody to know that. Uh, but to the issue of streaming, streaming is really a business model that says, I have to spend tons of money on content spend tons of money on recruiting subscribers and maintaining the subscribers because the biggest issues you face are the cost of content. It'll always keep going up and the churn that comes when subscribers decide to take a pass after they subscribe because they may not be interested in watching what's on the streaming services. Now, that requires a lot of cash. It requires a lot of creativity and how to generate the content that will hold your subscriber base. And there are only a few large tentpole companies that can sustain that model. Ability to deliver compelling content and the ability to spend and market uh, to generate a subscriber base, not only nationally, uh, but globally. It's a challenging uh, business model. And it's one that they're only gonna be, like I said, in my opinion, they're three winners. Right. Uh, Bob, we will see uh, who those winners turn out to be. I think you, you may, very well may be right, and we do hope to see you in person. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, LinkedIn connections, friends or foes? CNBC's Eamon Javers with an FBI warning. I literally accept everybody who requests me on LinkedIn. Maybe I should reconsider. Yeah, maybe, maybe stop. Maybe don't do that anymore. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. 
See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. We're back. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Good morning again and welcome back to Squawk Box right here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick along with Andrew Ross Sorkin. Joe is off today. FBI Director Ray delivered a major speech on Chinese corporate espionage at the Reagan Library on Monday night. Eamon Javers joins us with the details and why we should be worried about this. Good morning, Eamon. Hey, good morning, Becky. FBI Director Ray used his speech last night at the Ronald Reagan Library in California to spotlight a threat from Chinese espionage that he called more brazen and more damaging than ever before. The director said the FBI has more than 2,000 investigations open now into the Chinese government trying to steal information or technology. There is just no country that presents a broader threat to our ideas, our innovation, and our economic security than China. The Chinese government steals staggering volumes of information and causes deep job-destroying damage across a wide range of industries. Ray said the Chinese use intelligence officers to target specific information and they obtain it from sources inside companies, citing a recent case at GE Aviation in which the company was able to stop a penetration effort by an agent of the Ministry of State Security intent on stealing advanced jet technology. And he said the Chinese government has deployed vast hacking capabilities toward that same goal. Chinese government hackers have stolen more of our personal and corporate data than every other nation combined. The harm from the Chinese government's economic espionage isn't just that its companies pull ahead based on illegally gotten technology. While they pull ahead, they push our companies and workers behind. And Becky, despite the advanced technology that's employed by the Chinese cyber spies, Director Ray said they often use a deceptively simple technique to locate and approach potential sources in the United States. He said, they just go on LinkedIn. Back over to you. So don't take these LinkedIn requests to, to kind of match up in your partnership. Yeah. I didn't take one the other day. It's I a- mean, LinkedIn is sort of God's gift to spies and investigative reporters, right? Because you can get awesome. a whole org chart of everybody inside an organization, and they post astonishing things about what they do, their backgrounds, their capabilities, all of the relationships are all there. It's an incredible data source. Uh, and, you know, I use mine all the time. I, I literally accept everybody who requests me on LinkedIn. Maybe I should reconsider. Yeah, maybe, maybe stop. Maybe don't do that anymore. Eamon, <laughs> when you were talking about companies trying to fight off a nation state, I mean, that, that doesn't seem like a fair fight in any way, shape or form. What can the United States government do to help some of these companies that are being targeted? If you look at a Boeing, if you look at some of the banks, what, what help can they expect well, or should they be getting? 
Well, what Christopher Ray said last night is that the FBI is there to help them. He cited the GE aviation case because he said that was a classic case where the company worked with the FBI. They were able to work with the employee who had been targeted there. And they said they provided that employee with some fake documents to send to the MSS agent. In that case, they were able to arrest uh, the, uh, the agent overseas, extradite him to the United States. He actually went on trial and was convicted in the United States. So hmm. that's the model of public-private partnership that he's talking about. But it's really difficult. And Ray put this all in the context of the Cold War. You know, he's speaking at the Reagan Library. He said, this is a much more difficult problem than the United States faced dealing with the Soviets because the Chinese are much more sophisticated technologically. Their e economy is much more vast. Uh, and their integration with American society, the number of Chinese who study here and work here, all the business relationships back and forth, all of that is much more elaborate than it ever was with the Soviets. Eamon, thank you very much. And that's the podcast for today. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. You sit around for three hours, like in this big empty studio. No windows, nothing going on. Or you can get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears by listening to Squawk Pod. Follow us wherever podcasts are available. And if you do, we'll meet you back here tomorrow. And we are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.